We've seen this all before, folks, right? Number 16 team beats a one. Number 15 gets to the Sweet 16. When's the NCAA basketball tournament going to try and do something different, huh? This is Alan Caps. That's Mikey Watson. We'll dissect the 2023 NCAA basketball tournament on sixth year seniors. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to round this week. That's why I got a college skip. That's why I was an All-American in Michigan. It's I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. Mikey, how you doing? Long time no talk, buddy. Yeah, I know. Just a couple, well, long time no see. Yeah. We talk a lot. We haven't seen each other since Friday night. No, yeah, Thursday so. night. When it, it all ran together. It all ran together. By God, what a tournament. I said from November on, this is going to be the year that they give us back for the COVID tournament we lost. And by God, they're doing a great job of it. I, I thought about that statement a lot this weekend. Just the, the way that, I don't know if you've looked around, but the big boys are packed up and gone home. If they even got there in the first place in some instances. Yeah, there is no blue blood left in this tournament. Probably the only one that you could call blue is UCLA at this point. In, Indiana's not a blue blood anymore, right? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, no, Indiana hasn't been blue for quite a while. Uh, you'd have to go back to the 70s, right, to really consider them blue blood? I, from about I the ran... 90s on, they have not been. There was a lot of chatter this weekend on whether Indiana still was or not. I ran I ran some weighted data on national championships and Final Fours, and the only way you can still consider Indiana a blue blood is to take the entirety of their their tournament run for like forever and just average it out and give it no recency bias. Even UCLA and their 60s, 70s heavy resume is still somewhat pertinent to the modern game. Of course, they are still in the tournament. Indiana's not. Anyway, there, there's only four blue bloods. They're all they're all gone home. And UCLA is they could get back in the they could get back in the game if they could win a national title this year. We'll see what happens. It's well they're not four. winning a national title. We'll get to that well into the show, but they're not winning We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I'll just say that right now. Let's go about as far away from blue blood as possible. Is it, we made fun of them all year long. And we made fun of their conference. And I am here to publicly offer a mea culpa to the Northeastern Conference and specifically Fairleigh Dickinson, who put together quite a run before losing in a really entertaining game in the second round of the NCAA tournament. They beat Purdue. They became the second 16 seed to win a game in the NCAA tournament. And did it as a play-in team. We had been 
knocking the Northeast Conference for a few weeks now. Um, oh, I've been knocking oh, them for like since November, I swear, when we knew that the best team, Merrimack, might not make the tournament. Yeah, yeah, that was out there, and, and so we so we pretty much sort of just no sold them for most of the year. But over the last over the last few weeks, had, as we have been heading into the tournament, we have been openly mocking, saying whoever comes out of the Northeast Conference, it'll probably be fairly Dickinson, but we don't, uh, you know, they're going to be a double digit dog in the playing game. We were we were openly saying that. And, and the NCAA did give them a cush game in the play-in, which they took advantage of. They did get a good draw, as good a, good a draw as you can get, and they kicked the they kicked crap out of Texas Southern, and it was a beatdown. You know, um, maybe that's where we should have noticed that. It's like Fairlane Dickinson should if they'd won the game, it should have been close, not a twenty-three point beatdown at Texas Southern. That's a fair point. And then they did what happened Friday. They walk into the game against number one Purdue as a 23-and-a-half-point dog, the largest dog to ever win an NCAA tournament basketball game after they win 63-58. At least there was, at least there was some drama in this 116 game because there wasn't in the last one. <laughs> That's true. Okay, we'll give them that. They did not play scared whatsoever in this game. They pressed Purdue for basically 40 minutes, made him run up and down the court, and just said, hey, you know, we're going to double and triple ED every opportunity we get, and somebody else is going to have to make shots. And it never really happened for Purdue. <laughs> no, the, the rest of the team, we take ED away, and it's 21 points and 15 rebounds. The rest of the team shot 12 for 42, and they committed 16 turnovers. Did I see where did I see that Edie did not attempt a field goal in the final nine minutes of the game? Oh wow. I did not see that, but it doesn't surprise me. I it think... was either six it was either the final six or final nine minutes, and that's coaching malpractice. I'm sorry. I don't care how many guys Fairly Dickinson's throwing at your national player of the year. You have to figure out some way to get him in a position to get him the ball where he can go to work. Fairly Dickinson is the shortest team in the tournament. Yeah, their tallest guy is 6'6". You've got a guy that's a foot taller than everybody else. Give him the damn rock. And that's just it. I, I don't understand. It wasn't that Edie didn't try to make shots. They could not get him the ball, which just seems insane. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. But the the swagger the swagger that FDU played with was remarkable. Yeah, where was that all year? During the course of the year, they allowed 115 points per hundred possessions. In the NCAA tournament, they allowed 91 points per 100 possessions. I how do you, how do you get that much? 24 points better on defense. That's amazing. I don't know. I I found it very in watch. Or so I was on a I was on a plane coming home during the game. I had the game on streaming it on the plane, and I'm like, this is there's no way. Every time the ball went inside, not necessarily just to Edie, but to like anybody else, if they brought that ball down, they, it was getting swatted at every single time. They, they were mice running around the floor just causing havoc. If the ball was near the court, they were they were swatting, they were in the way, they were pests 
for 40 minutes. It was fascinating to watch how they attacked Purdue the way they did. It made it on, on the surface, it makes no sense, but as the game kept going along, it's like they might be onto something here. And the Big Ten champ goes all Big Ten. It got to the point where Edie wasn't even trying to get rebounds. He was just swatting the ball out beyond the three-point yeah. line. And even that didn't work because Fairlane Dickinson's guys out in the three-point line were grabbing those balls away from Purdue players. Yeah, there were, there, were, there were at least three different rebound sequences in the final five minutes where it was just... Dickinson wanted the ball more than Purdue. Yep. Purdue it was was reaching and FDU was going and getting. And it was obvious. It was obvious. And I and I don't know if they had sort of beaten at, at that point it just felt like they had won the mental game. It was over. It, the only way Purdue was going to win the game was if Edie and just the talent alone could get them over the top because they had lost the they had lost the mental game. Early in the second half, like when it was clear the FDU wasn't going away, Purdue just, they checked out. It was obvious and fascinating. Just what a spectacle in Columbus. A few other stats. We know this is the first time a play-in team won. We know this is the second 16 to beat a one overall. It is also now the largest point spread victory by a team in the NCAA tournament since Norfolk State beat Missouri as a 21-point dog in 2012. Maryland-Baltimore County was only a 20-point 20, 20 dog against uh, well, well, Virginia. Well, that's, that, that's because they got, that, they got that Virginia discount because of the possessions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to say the total in that game was like about 116, something like that. That sounds about right. Dickinson also entered the tournament as number 315 in the Ken Palm rankings. They have now finished at number 268. Not bad. Nice jump of almost 50 spots in the NCAA Division One. Not bad. Fairly Dickinson lost to Chicago State this year. My God. I mean, come on. This is... They had no quad one or quad two wins. They didn't even play a quad two game this year. They did. They they didn't even play a quad two game all season long. No, let's not we mock just... Chicago State because they're actually they actually turned the corner at the end of the season. I'm sure that Fairlane probably lost a game worse than that. Who's going to is Chicago State going to Division three next year? Oh, hey, they lost to Hartford. Who is that's going who to I'm Division thinking three of next year. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, they lost to Hartford by eight back in November. Good God. They lost to Central Connecticut just a month ago. Absolutely ridiculous. How much of the second round game did you see? Oh, all of it. All of it. That was it outstanding. Was front and center at that point. And I must say, I bet on Texas Southern and lost. I bet on Purdue and lost. And I bet on Florida Atlantic and lost. Oh, damn. God, they got you. Shit. So, yeah, Dickinson owes me big time. <laughs> that second round game was fun as hell. It was. Florida Atlantic looked like they were going to just open up a can of whoop-ass on Dickinson early. I think they were up by 11 with about seven minutes gone. 
Something like that. Yeah, they jumped on him early. It's like, okay, Cinderella was fun. That's great. And next thing you know, FDU start, they, they got the energy back up and they're tracking down loose balls. They're making big shots. And I think they chipped it down to four by halftime. And then that, that, those first 10 minutes of the second half, it was just haymakers each way. It was so fun watching them run back on, uh, uh, up and down the court against each other. Yeah, it just shocked me. I mean, where was this Fairleigh Dickinson team all year? I I watched a couple of their games. Once we started making fun of them, I watched a couple of their games. This is not the same team that I saw back in February or early March. Roast in the moment. Got on stage and said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna seize the brass ring." And they did. It's hell of a run, hell of a ride from FDU. How safe is it to assume that this is the only time that a non-conference champion 16 seed is going to beat a one seed? Yes. <laughs> they did not win their conference. They did not win their conference tournament. Yeah. Which brings Fantastic. me to another great piece of trivia. The team with the longest winning streak at this moment is not in the NCAA tournament and might have the longest winning streak starting the 2024 season. And that's Merrimack. What's the, what's the streak at? They're at 11. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then it's in play then. It's in play. Gonzaga can surpass them if they win the tournament, but that's the kick. Every team that's still playing basketball right now is going to lose except for the NIT champion, the CBI champion, and the NCA champion. Exactly. And the NIT and CBI teams all lost. That's why they're not in the NCA tournament. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, is at nine right now. Okay. But again, if they don't win the NCA tournament, that means they're going to lose somewhere along the line. Yep. Even if they surpass the 11, they will they will lose unless they win the title. So we may start the 2023-2024 season with Merrimack as the longest current winning streak. That'll put butts in seats. (laughs) So we just spent the first, oh, good 15 minutes talking about a team that is not in the Sweet 16. That's how fascinating this run was. Florida Atlantic got to the Sweet 16 by beating Dickinson and in one of the greatest first round games in quite a while, beat Memphis. 66-65. 66-65. Loved that game. It was everything I expected out of Florida Atlantic and Memphis, including Memphis botching it in the final minute. <laughs> that one was on the bingo card. It was just a matter of what round it was going to happen in. So. Hey, uh, by the way, if the score seemed low in these first two rounds, you're absolutely correct. The totals were 34, 17, and 1 to the under for the first two rounds. And that includes a 6-2 and two run for the overs on Sunday. At one point, it was, it was 32 and 11 to the under after the first oh, three days. Good Lord. And I, and I saw a stat that, at least through Saturday, teams were shooting just 30% from three-point land. Yeah, the shooting has not been good. And if you expect that to continue, you'll see it in Florida Atlantic's opponent because they play Tennessee, who took out the Duke Blue Devils. Thank you, Tennessee. 
I, I, there, there are very, very few moments in life where I will publicly thank Rick Barnes. Thank you, Rick Barnes. Appreciate that, buddy. I, I was more shocked that Tennessee beat Duke than I was that Dickinson beat Purdue. That's a shoot, brother. That's a shoot. Purdue. We, we all knew Purdue was was smoking mirrors, but I was sold on this Duke team. Like you know what? They figured it out. They're healthy. They, you know, they, they've got 30 games under their belt now. The kids are all, you know, starting to gel. And Tennessee, Tennessee is going to Tennessee. They're they're not going to hit nothing in the second half. They're going to melt like, you know, they're going to melt like the sun. And and it, it's going to be ridiculous. And it didn't happen. I was so shocked. Twenty, I, I was waiting for 20 minutes of the second half for Tennessee to do something stupid, and it never happened. Duke was obviously shook by their uh, by their physical play, the, the hilarity of Jeremy Roach fouling out, and then the referees realizing who they just called the fifth foul on, and then changing the call <laughs> to a player who did not even touch the Tennessee ball handler. Always fun to see the uh, see the classics. I'm shocked. I could not believe that Tennessee got the job done there. And they're all of a sudden shaped up to be the favorite in what is a completely blown up East region. Yeah, that's just insane. Tennessee is a five and a half point favorite against Florida Atlantic. Totals 132, which tells you something about what they think of Florida Atlantic's offense. Yeah. That, that they can actually get to 32 against Tennessee. On the other side of the bracket, it's Kansas State and Michigan State. And I agree with you. I don't see either of those two teams being able to hang with Tennessee as long as Tennessee can put up, say, 60 points. And that and that's going to be the thing. If if the Tennessee offense can get the points, they're going to be a tough out. I said it all year long. There will be a, some point in March where Tennessee's offense is going to fail them. My guess is it's going to be this weekend. I'm hoping it's against Kansas State. Oh. Or, or, yeah, yeah, or, or, or FAU. Wait, or FAU, really, that This is work. a team that's only lost three games all season. And they got they got put in a lousy seed. You're they right. They got a little lucky, although I think they could have beaten Purdue. Florida Atlantic might be for real. They might be worth a shot at, at getting to the Final Four. Fair point. How's Michigan State still in this tournament? Come on. I don't know. That Marquette game blows me away, as well as the Big East played. In the entire tournament, they've got three teams in the Sweet 16. I don't know how Shaka Smart did not defeat Michigan State. Except for the fact that he was a favorite and he doesn't perform well as a favorite. That's a fair point. That that might be the best point of all of them right there. That it's just if it's if he's not the underdog, he doesn't win. I don't know. So let, let's go to the excuse mill for Michigan State. They body clocked USC. They got Shaka Smart in a position he's not favorable with. How do they get past Kansas State? By the way, Kansas State, thank you for taking out the Blue Blood, Kentucky, 75-69. Yes, yeah, a- absolutely. It was a, I'll say this, as a Carolina fan, it was a great weekend to be a hater. It was a great oh, weekend to be was. a hater. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, it t- took, took the sting off the season just a little bit. That Kansas State-Kentucky game was, was quite the entertaining uh, battle. Kansas State made some big shots down the stretch. To, uh, to to close that out, so so good on good on Jerome Tang and the Wildcats. The only way Michigan State wins this game is, is the old. It's just Izzo magic. It's, it's the Izzo March gimmick that 
is always conveniently played and then conveniently forgotten when Michigan State shifts the bed in March. So I don't know what to expect here. Did I see that Michigan State was actually favored in this game? They are. They are a two-point favorite. The total is 37 and a half. I would, I would take the points and take K-State here. I, 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 I'm, I'm actively pulling for Kansas State to come out of the region here. I just think it's, I think it's a great story if Kansas State can do it. Yeah, Kansas State, Florida Atlantic, that'd be fantastic. That'd be super fun. And and and, and whoever would win that game, I, I I would probably be cheering for them in the Final Four, under almost all conditions. There may be a couple of exceptions. Uh, I think there'd be some exceptions on my part. Uh, by the way, I do have. I don't think I've mentioned this all year. I have a fifty to one ticket on Michigan State to win the NCAA tournament that I gathered back in November. Simply, oh, no. because, simply because at that time, the Ken Palm rankings had them in both offensive and defensive top 20 as far as efficiency goes. And that is kind of the... That's, that's the magic. That's the magic. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to just play with the magic. And I'd forgot about it. And frankly, I didn't think Michigan State had a damn chance of winning the NCAA tournament. Yet here they are in the Sweet 16. You and I said it back in January. If you don't kill... Tom Izzo, in January, he comes back to bite you in March. He's like Freddy Krueger or any of the other horror stories. He just can't be killed. Yeah, there was a point where I wasn't sure Michigan State was making the tournament this year. So, yeah. so good on Izzo for, for turning, the, turning the team around and making this run here, getting to the Sweet 16. So Wide open in Madison Square Garden. I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the, 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 the bookers and the promoters... You know, whether it's Gary Juster or, or you know, Paul Bosch, whoever's booking the garden now. I'm, I'm sure they're disappointed that they don't have Duke and Kentucky come to the garden, or even Purdue for that matter. They got Kansas State, Michigan State, Tennessee, and FAU. One of those teams is going to the Final Four. That's amazing. And like I said, you got two really good feel good stories there with Kansas State and Florida Atlantic. I, yeah. I hope it's one of the two. So let's move over to the South. We still have Alabama, Creighton. But then we have Princeton, the 15 seed. For the third year in a row, a 15 gets into the Sweet 16. Princeton does it by upsetting Arizona, 59-55, and then Missouri, 78-63. They kicked Missouri's ass. That game was not as close as the final score indicated. It was absolutely fantastic. There was a stretch there in the second half where... Like Missouri's just desperately trying not to get embarrassed on national television, and Princeton's just coming down, just bombing threes on him. It was just—it was high comedy, high comedy. Yeah, it was, fa- it was fascinating that Missouri, the team who is supposedly the, the fast-breaking, score-at-will team, couldn't do it against Princeton, and yet Princeton was running up and down the court, just unstoppable against the, the Tigers. So entertaining. So Oral Roberts two years ago, St. Peter's last year. To me, this shows you what the transfer portal can do for the mid-majors and guys who go to big colleges and don't get the playing time that they think they deserve. They hop down to a mid-major. And because there's only five starters and all you really need are eight guys on a basketball team, one player makes a hell of a difference. That's a very good point. It's, it, it is a way to spread the talent throughout college basketball, which I it, it's and we've talked about this a little bit at length over the past year or so. 
it just it, it it lowers the ceiling at the top and it raises the floor at the bottom and you wind up getting a tournament like this where it is wide open and we we said it's been coming for a while and it, it's starting to uh starting to blossom now all the all the seeds that have been sown through the portal and otherwise say five years from now I wouldn't be surprised if we are and and not just we but college fans in general are more hyped about the college basketball tournament than the college football playoff because I think the transfer portal is actually going to ruin football whereas it's helping basketball why is it going to ruin football because one player doesn't make that big a difference all you have to do is look at uh, uh, the, the, the goof who went to South Carolina. Uh, Spencer B- Rattler? Yeah, thank you. Spencer Rattler, the guy who was supposed to be the Heisman Trophy candidate, now I couldn't even remember his name except the goof who went to South Carolina. One, it will because of, because of what you were just saying right there, it will take the football market longer to regulate itself. And sort of normalize to 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 you know to op, to optimize how it's supposed to work. Two, it, you're greatly underselling the lowest common denominator football fans in the United States of America. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be a one conference sport. It's going whoever's well maybe two. Whoever's in the Big Ten and the SEC and screw everybody else, uh, there's your championship. About 30 teams, not even 30 teams, 20 teams may compete for the title in a given year. That's about right. That sounds about right. But anyway, back to Princeton. We have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Once again, they will play Creighton, who beat Baylor in the second round after knocking off NC State in the first round. I think Creighton is peaking at the right time. Well, I, I had them in my final four of uh, my monkey's paw final four, which somehow is not going to come true now thanks to Tennessee. But Creighton certainly is holding up their end of the bargain. They were one of the more dominant teams this weekend. They they played the part this weekend. They look legit. They look like they will not be afraid of Alabama if it comes to that in the regional final. And I'll throw this out there. The uh, the Louisville Regional, that's an easy trip for Omaha or wherever the hell they're at over there on the river. There will be a good, uh, good contingent of Creighton fans in Louisville this weekend that will at least alleviate what would be a home court advantage for Alabama. I can see that, yes. And they should get past Princeton. I mean, let, let, let's not just put them right up against Alabama right away. They are a 10-point favorite. But, uh, yeah, Arizona was also supposed to beat Princeton, and uh, we, they're home early. We see this a lot, and, and last year was really the exception to the rule. The underdogs, Cinderella gets, gets the momentum coming off the first weekend, and then it's hard to get back up for that Sweet 16 game. And, and I'm going to blame. I, I think it's I think it's less St. Peter's and more their opponent last year per freaking do to allow them to get bring them up to their energy level. I don't think Creighton's going to do that. I would anticipate Creighton taking care of business against Princeton this weekend. We'll see what happens. I could be wrong on that, 
But just too too much Shireman, too much Nevard. Creighton's good. I don't like to say it, but they're good. On the other side of that bracket, it's going to be Alabama and San Diego State. Alabama cruised through their first two rounds. They beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi by uh, 21. They beat Maryland by 22. I'm not sure who is going to stop Alabama if Creighton doesn't. They are rolling right now. I do think the I do think the matchup with San Diego State is an interesting one because I do think San Diego State can can test them on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm I'm curious to see what kind of gear Bama's offense can get into to overcome that. I don't think San Diego State has the has the manpower to to get the job done here, but it'll be fun to watch them try and I think they can give them a game into the second half. We'll see what happens. Let's talk about Furman real fast. I was going to say, San Diego State's kind of the requisite bad guy right now for beating Furman. They wiped The finish out that to that game round. was hilarious. The San Diego State-Furman game? No, the Furman-Virginia game. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> 2019, in Virginia's miracle run to the title after losing as a one seed the year prior, Kihei Clark ran down that long rebound 70 feet from the basket. And threw a one-handed missile for the for the game-tying bucket in the miracle play to force overtime against Purdue, where Virginia ultimately won the game and went to the Final Four. Kihei Clark ends his ends his collegiate career by making one of the dumbest passes you will ever see. Gets caught in the backcourt. They're down. They're up by two. Gets caught in the backcourt. And rather than call Virginia's final timeout yeah, with a time what? Out. <laughs> there was what? Eight seconds left or so? I don't even think it was eight. Uh, I think it was less than that. I think he thought that the time had run to the point where if he just threw the ball down court, there was not enough time for anything bad to happen. And if that was the case, he thought wrong because he blindly throws a one-handed, it's basically a hook pass, basically, just blindly down the court, right into the hands of, of a Furman defender who makes one pass and Furman kid steps into the shot, deep three, gives Furman the lead. Paladin's unbelievable win. Reese Beekman misses at the buzzer. All-time NCAA tournament chaotic finish. Great, great stuff to kick off the tournament. It was like Virginia knew that Purdue was going to lose to Fairlane Dickinson, and they wanted to one-up them before they did. Well, I was like, if anybody's happy about Purdue losing, it's Virginia. They've at least got company now in the record right. book. Yes. So, but yeah, it's like, hey, you know, we, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead, we'll go ahead and eat shit here and look like a bunch of dumbasses. Everybody will forget about it by Friday night. Thank you, Virginia, for coming. We'll see you next year. Let's see what they can do as a top four seed again. They'll find a way to lose somehow. You know it. That's the idea. In the South, we do have Alabama and San Diego State. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite over the Aztecs. And then we mentioned Creighton, a 10 point favorite over Princeton. I think we're looking at Creighton, Alabama. I, I just don't see a way around that. I, I don't either, and and as much as I talked up San Diego State just a little while ago, I I think I would lay the points with Bama on that because I because I do think they're going to take over the game in the final eight to ten minutes and stretch that out and win by double digits. So I have five futures left 
and Creighton and Alabama are two of them. Alabama. That's pretty good. Yeah, Alabama is my unicorn. I, I have them at, I believe it's 50 to one. And of course, I, I think now they might be the second favorite behind Houston. I look at the draw and I still got to think that just the way it lays out, Bama's got the easier path to the championship game. Yes, they definitely do. Because on the on the other side, I'm looking I'm looking at you got Houston and Texas, UConn, UCLA, Gonzaga. That's a path to get through to the title game off that side of the bracket. There's not nearly the landmines on Bama's side of the bracket as uh, as as that is. So Bama's gonna be sitting pretty uh, pretty good right now. They will, and they could possibly end up with say Florida Atlantic as their opponent in the final four. Yeah, absolutely. Ironically, I think they they don't want to see Tennessee. You don't want to see a conference opponent in the final four. Yeah. They don't want to see Tennessee. Yeah, especially Tennessee, because Tennessee knows how to beat Alabama. Exactly. If you want to feel like the Alabama Crimson Tide does right now and just cruise your way for quite a while, why don't you take a vacation on a cruise ship? And if that's the case, who might you call, Mikey? That's that's very that's very good. That's a good segue there. Hit up our girl Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She can take care of your next awesome getaway. All major cruise lines, Norwegian, Disney, Carnival, Royal, all of them. She can put you on a boat, get you out in the middle of the open seas. All you can eat, all you can swim, all you can soak in the sun, all of it. Find her on Facebook, find her on Twitter, find her on Instagram, all the social medias, WP Magic Journeys. She'll take care of you and your crew, custom-made itineraries, what you need, what you don't need, what you want, what you don't want. Tell her you heard about her on 6th Year Senior. She'll give you $25 off your next trip deposit. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. All right, before we get into the final two brackets, let's look at the NIT and the CBI. The NIT is now down to its final eight. They start playing again on Tuesday, March 21. Oklahoma State faces North Texas. Oregon takes on Wisconsin. Cincinnati has Utah Valley. And UAB is taking on Vanderbilt. Any thoughts on the final eight in the NIT? Those are four pretty good games. I'm not. I don't know about that Wisconsin Oregon shit. Let's not talk about that. Cincinnati's got to go to Utah Valley. That's gonna. That's gonna be a hornet's nest. Great atmosphere lined up there. Oklahoma State North Texas should be a fantastic game. And UAB Vanderbilt. That's some regional beef there. UAB getting a shot at the SEC school. That's in, SEC in name only in some cases. So uh, they'll be fired up for that. That's a good quarterfinal for the NIT. I have Utah Valley as the visiting team. Is that one of the situations where Cincinnati's home court isn't available? I think that's the case. I There were social media postings out there about Utah Valley hosting that game. Oh, you are correct, yes. Utah Valley Wolverines will host Cincinnati Bearcats in the NIT quarterfinal, according to KSL Sports. Yeah, I don't know what the UCCU Center is, but that's where they're playing in Orem, Utah. Yeah, we'll host an NIT home game for the first time in program history. Good for UVU. That's good. It'll be a it'll be a good atmosphere there. Yeah, I'm looking to see if they can say why, because Cincinnati is a higher ranked team. But good on you. That that's why that game is a pick. 
Should be a good one. I, I'm really intrigued by North Texas and their defense. You got to wonder how much Oklahoma State, once they get ensnared in that kind of muck it up basketball game, how much they're going to care about winning it. That's a fair point. Oklahoma State is a four and a half point favorite, and it is on their home court. Sounds about right. In the CBI, the fourth game of the day has just been completed. The semifinals are tomorrow. The championship game is Wednesday. It's going to be Eastern Kentucky, who upset favored Indiana State 89-88 in overtime, facing Southern Utah. And then on the other side of the bracket, the other co-favorite, San Jose State, loses to Radford 67-57. They will face Charlotte, who just beat Wisconsin-Milwaukee 76-65. I got nothing on those other than other than a little bit of a, a little bit of shock that San Jose State did the job. They wasn't expecting that. Me too. I think now Southern Utah might be the team to watch. They have the easier draw facing Eastern Kentucky, and I think they have the incentive coming out of the very competitive whack that is going to help them a lot. You know, they've been playing really tough teams on a regular basis throughout the year. That should help them out in uh, in the CBI semis and finals. I can see it. Plus, you know, West Coast bias. Well, of course. Uh, before we get back to the tournament in general, tournament brackets were quickly destroyed with the West Virginia loss to Maryland, first game of the day. That took out, I think, like about 10 million ESPN brackets. And then, of course, the Purdue game pretty much wiped out everybody else in the after the first two days there were no perfect brackets left in espn well so you'd have to have both purdue and arizona and virginia losing i mean it was yeah there was enough carnage early hours that's yeah, not gonna happen in our contest you're sitting in second place right now not bad you got texas going to the final very interesting i'm sitting in sixth i've got gonzaga I think I'm looking good here. I've got a lot of points still potential, even sitting down in sixth place. I'll take that. Our leader right now, I, I don't know who ESPN fan 725-234-9253 is, but I have a feeling because the champion he picked is UConn, there, there's a bunch of guys from my college that went to Vegas. One of them has been talking UConn smack this weekend. I have a feeling it's him. Oh, okay. All right. Back to the tournament in general. Let's head to the Midwest. Number one team in the nation, Houston, just destroyed Auburn after having a little bit of trouble with Northern Kentucky. That was a fun game. Northern Kentucky hung around for what? 34 minutes? Yeah, something like that. It was it was pretty close. Sasser was dinged up. They got they're dealing with some injuries. But ultimately, the talent prevailed, and as much as Auburn wanted to give them problems in the second round, uh, Houston dropped the hammer on them in the second half. That was a very, very impressive second half by by Houston in the second round. In in a semi-hostile environment, the the Auburn fans came came and showed out, and Houston shut them up. We'll see how Sasser and Shedd are feeling this weekend. I'm not sure they'll need them to beat Miami. They will need them to get out of the regional. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest issue is how healthy Houston is. 
They've got some days to rest now. Should be fine. I think they can get through these next two rounds, even with Sasser and Shed, not at 100%. It'll be tough. It will be tough, but I think Houston's that talented. That's big boy statement. Zay, you know, we were talking about teams that, that look good. Xavier played a lot better than uh, than I was expecting this week, and I, I actually I had Xavier out early. Uh, Texas looked pretty good too, so I, I think they'll they'll have a stiff challenge, no matter who comes out of the of the other half of the bracket there. And that's not to undersell Miami. Miami has got some guys. They they made the, they made a run to the regional final last year. They've paid for some talent. And I think they'll be they'll be ready to roll, and they I, I don't think they've got any problem turning it into a street fight, the way Houston likes to play. I, I think Miami will be comfortable in that sort of game. So I think it's an interesting matchup uh, between the Cougars and Canes. I think this of all of the of all the regions left, this is the least amount of carnage. The winner here will have earned it the most out of out of the four regions. Uh, yes, the, the, definitely whoever gets out did earn it, that's for sure. I really like the Miami win over Indiana. They took a very talented Indiana team yeah. and turned that game into a street fight. I, Indiana wanted to run and gun and, and have fun with a lot of talent, and Miami, as you said, not only turned it into a street fight, but then came back on the offensive end and put up 85 points against the Hoos. Yeah, yeah, they they can play they can play a couple different ways. The ACC was down. We've been talking about it all year, and Lord knows everybody has. They were the best team in the league from bell to bell. Miami's the last ACC team standing. This is only the ninth time in the '64 team era that any ACC team has advanced further than both Carolina and Duke in the same tournament. Oh wow! Yeah, crazy to think about. They are also, ACC has put a team in the Sweet 16 every year since 1980. Miami gets the ACC in just under the bell. Very impressive win over Indiana because Indiana gave a punch early and Miami turned it around on them. So the Canes won't be scared of Houston. They'll be up for the challenge. But I just don't think they quite have enough pieces to do it. Unless, unless... Sasser and Shed are really, really banged up. And I don't think they're really, really banged up. Although it also seems like Sasser's groin is very touchy. It seemed like in, I think it was the, yeah, it was the Auburn game where he ended up coming out after he tweaked it again. I, so I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be 100%, but he's still going to be able to play until he moves just the wrong way. Load management. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to figure. Kelvin Sampson's gonna have to figure out the the, the just the, just the right recipe to to maximize his minutes. Uh, breaking news, by the way. Bret Hart has just told me that you'd never seen a groin injury like that. The likes of which I've never seen. Let's, let's get, let's okay, get some. How about Dean Malenko? I was going to give him a title shot. He was a big man, oh. wanted to injure me. Hey, come injure me now, you little punk. He's sitting at home with some kind of hokey injury. This is a real injury, Dean Malenko. Dean this Malenko. is a groin pull the likes you've never seen in your whole life. On the bottom of that bracket, we missed out on a Texas-Texas A&M game because Penn State came through with a sharp shooting performance in the first round, beating A&M 
76-59. And then they gave Texas some trouble before the Longhorns put them away, 71-66. Yeah, Penn State hung around uh, in that game, and you kind of kept waiting for for Texas to, to, to put them away, and it never totally quite happened. It felt like Penn State kind of just ran out of time. But it never. it also never felt like Texas was really in danger of losing that game either. It was a weird game. So uh, we'll see if Texas can, uh, can can turn the uh, turn the energy back up uh, this week. I think they will. I, I think it's going to be a good atmosphere in Kansas City. Houston's going to bring a crowd. You know Texas will bring a crowd. Xavier, don't sleep don't sleep on the Musketeers. They'll be they'll bring a good crowd across the river too. By the way, Texas is a four and a half point favorite over Xavier. Houston six and a half over Miami of Florida. Two good games. Xavier looked good. Uh, they beat the Cinderella Darling, Kennesaw State, 72-67, then took care of play-in Pittsburgh, 84-73. Pitt just destroyed Iowa State coming out of that play-in game. Oh, yeah, Pitt, took, Pitt just dropped the hammer. That was fantastic. That Kennesaw State game, Xavier sort of played around, and they found themselves down double digits in the second half and then clamped down and sh- impressive closeout by the Musketeers in a game where it felt like they could let them get away, eat that 314 upset, and Xavier's like, no, nah, we're going we're, we're gonna to do this. So they were able to flip the switch there. Uh, they're going to need all 40 minutes to, to be able to keep up with Texas, though. And then we go over to the West, which also had a ton of carnage, including the number one seed, Kansas being eliminated in the second round by Arkansas. Hogs just chipped away at Kansas in the second half and wore them out and then went ahead in the final couple of minutes and kept them at bay. I swear that second round losses are like the most common result for a defending champion. I don't know if that is proven or not, but I can think of it like... Close to a half dozen instances of that, just off the top of my head. Um, I still feel like Kansas's best was there was better than anybody else's this year, but they seem to have trouble getting to that level on a regular basis. They were without Bill Self. Self was out, hospitalized the last week during the Big Twelve tournament. Was not with the team this week, so you know can't you know without their head coach they can they can play that card. But there's enough talent there; they should, they, they should be able to go away. Tough draw. I I I thought that you talk about you know how good is your best? Arkansas's best I always felt was was better than an eight seed, and and they showed up they showed up in the second half and 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 knocked off the champs. So 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 good on uh, good on Eric Musselman and the Hawks. And, of course, Musselman gave us one of the moments of the weekend when he, like Brandy Chastain, leaps on the press row, rips off his shirt, and riles up the fans after Arkansas beats Kansas. That's not the first time he's done that, but I don't remember when he did it before. And I don't remember if he did it when he was at Nevada or, or if this was something that happened when he came from Arkansas. I don't remember, and it doesn't matter. You know what? Uh, now but, that you just said that, I think he did that at Nevada. Okay. I think I remember that now. It plays well to the to the Arkansas crowd, and he calls the Hogs, and it's great. Interesting team to watch going forward. I, I think they've got some momentum, and I think they've got the talent to back it up. But that game against UConn is going to be a, is going to be a good one. 
It is. And if I have to fear a team that I do not have future tickets on, it's going to be UConn. They've looked good all year. They have all the metrics numbers. Yeah. But I just never saw them picking up that big win in the Big East that made me say, yeah, this is a really good team. It may be that the Big East was that good. They should have had four teams in the Sweet 16. Thanks, Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, They went through that lull in January where it was like, okay, is UConn really as good as the metrics say they are? And then they quietly just turned it around and took care of business down the stretch. Again, never had the big flashy win, never got loud, anything like that. Uh, But it just took care of business, and they took care of business again this weekend. They ground out St. Mary's and just sucked the life out of him. It was, it was kind of deflating. I think a lot of that had to do with Alex Dukas suffering that back spasm. Yeah. St. Mary's is not a deep team, and Dukas is kind of their on-the-court leader. And as soon as he went out, and you could tell he was trying to get back into the game, but boy, the, the kid could barely stand up and sit down. Yeah. And it was just bizarre. I, it happened without anybody touching him. He had grabbed a defensive rebound on the, pre, on the previous possession. And just as he's making a turn on the offensive end, he grabs his back and falls to the floor. Yeah, I had just turned the game on when that... Like, he was coming off the court when I turned the game on. Uh, so I had heard what had happened, but I never actually saw it. Tough break for the Gales there. I don't know if that would have been enough because, like, the UConn sucked the life out of the game like a boa constrictor. But bad, bad break for St. Mary's. It is. I, I, I'm not saying St. Mary's could have beaten UConn, but it definitely would have been a closer game. It was yeah. 21-20 when this happened. And like I said, St. Mary's, not deep. They had to go to Sharunas Marshallonis' son in regular rotation oh, wow. minutes, at, which he usually isn't getting. The team that was on the court in the second half against UConn is the team that is going to be a year away from being really good next year. But against UConn in the second round of the NCAA tournament 2023, they weren't ready for that. Yeah. By the way, UConn in the first round knocked off Iona 87-63 in what is probably Rick Pitino's final game at Iona before he moves on to St. John's. Is it official? I... I... It's I not think official, I saw it was you a... know it's going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's good. Rick Pitino belongs in the Big East. It, it, it's good. This is this is good for everybody. I'm torn. I I'm a St. John's fan because of Chris Mullen, and I'm just not sure I want Rick Pitino coaching St. John's. He, he, yeah, he's a used car salesman. It, it's 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 gr- it's great for college basketball. It I'll, is. I'll, it's great I'll, for college I'll basketball. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's great for St. John's because you know it's going to end badly. It's going to have some really good highs, but you know it's going to end badly somehow. Plenty of good Italian restaurants in Queens. Come on. <laughs> on the other side of the bracket, it's going to be UCLA against Gonzaga. Mm. UCLA knocks off Northwestern 68-63 in the second round. UCLA looks good. And, and I'm avoiding talking about Gonzaga right now because that was an incredible ball game at the end of Sunday night with a crazy finish. So let's talk about UCLA before we get to the Zags. Okay. Bruins are solid. They're banged up, but they're solid. But I don't I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm confident enough to think that they can knock off Gonzaga. 
They're favored, which surprises me. It surprises me, too. Uh, they're a two-point favorite. I, I don't quite get it. I know Gonzaga hasn't been playing the way everybody expects them to play, and we're getting into Gonzaga. <laughs> uh, and their defense is suspect, but I don't think UCLA can take advantage of that suspect defense. Their offense is not that good. If they play, if they could shoot like they did against USC, Asheville is pretty good. They hit about a million shots in a row to start the game. Yeah, but they were covering that game like ten minutes in. (laughs) By the way, UCLA in knocking off Northwestern knocks out another Big Ten team that made it to the second round. I had said in the preview show that I was taking under in Big Ten wins, no matter what it was. It turned out to be seven and a half. It's a little closer than it should be right now. They picked up five first-round wins, and then thankfully none of them advanced to the second round except for Michigan State. So, so long as Michigan State does not make the Final Four, you're cash. I'm good, yes. There so go, go Kansas State, go Florida Atlantic or Tennessee. I don't care. Just beat the Spartans, for crying out loud. Beat Sparty. There we go. But back over to the West. UCLA is going to play Gonzaga. Gonzaga beats TCU 84-81 on the Sunday night game. And man, did the NCA and CBS put that together perfectly because that was a great way to end the second round of the tournament. No, 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 no. Time out. Before we even get into what happened, I, I'm, I'm calling you out. Uh, did the NCAA and CBS put this together perfectly? That game ended like after midnight Eastern time. I couldn't stay up and watch the end of it. I was oh, okay. done. You do have a I went to there. bed. <laughs> I missed the end of it. I missed the days where look that Sunday window. You, we, we've got to look, folks. Got to go to work on Monday. We got to we got to slide that Sunday window back a little bit. We had three games, three games early that were solo, not you know exclusive windows. We didn't have multiple games tipping off until like 6 Eastern time. Come on, there's eight games. Let's let, let's back them up just a little bit. Come on, you're killing me. I, I agree with you there. The morning really drags. Yeah, I, it even, does. Even if you're a degenerate like me and you've got the NIT and the CBI to, uh, to gamble and watch, there was no reason to hit a casino until about 3 p.m. when multiple games finally started playing. You better hope that those early games that are by themselves deliver. Now, Kansas State and Kentucky was was very entertaining. Truth be told, my buddy and I went out for sushi lunch at that point. We missed that entire game. But again, it's one game. It's not the end of the world. That's just it. It was one game, and frankly, K-State and Kentucky didn't entertain us. It was it was a good game, especially to say, but everybody on Twitter was like, oh, this is the game of the tournament. I was watching the game. We, if this is the game of the tournament, we have lowered the bar beyond whatever the hell. And truth be told, FAU and FDU was was the game that everybody was talking about earlier in the day. Oh, yeah. That's how good that game was later. And even then, it still wasn't, oh, this is the greatest thing of all time. Look, look don't get caught in the moment, all right? It can be entertaining. Entertaining and good don't necessarily equal each other, okay? Just chill the hell out and just enjoy the games for what they are. But it's easier to enjoy the games for what they are if there's multiple games on at the same time so I don't have to stay up late and try to catch this bonkers ending to Gonzaga and TCU. This was crazy. If you had Gonzaga tickets, I'm one of them. If you had Gonzaga tickets and you're still suffering PTSD, you might want to not listen to the next couple minutes of this podcast. 
the Zags closed at minus four and a half. And TCU's trying to come back. They're at a point where they're trying to foul. And Gonzaga missed a couple free throws, which came to importance later. In that final three possessions, TCU's trying to hit a three. The Zags can't gain possession late. I think TCU had three different opportunities to hit threes while the Zags were leading by seven. TCU finally makes that three with five seconds left. 82-78. TCU now covering. The Zags inbound the ball. It doesn't look like TCU's going to foul. But finally, they do with .7 seconds left. No big deal. Oh, no. No, no big deal. No, we're no going to hit, hit free throws. Meaningless free throws, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. The book I'm at just goes nuts. Because oh, no. Gonzaga. Zags hit both free throws. Up six. Everybody so now that's, That swings the cover. Everybody clinches the cover. Gonzaga players are celebrating. I'm watching one Gonzaga player hugging a TCU player. But as TCU <laughs> inbounds the ball, the point guard is not touching it and not touching it and letting it roll. And he lets it roll to about 40 feet from the Zags basket, picks it up, throws up a three, swish at the buzzer. Gonzaga only wins by three. TCU covers. The book goes batshit insane with vulgarity that I haven't heard since that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was awful. Is, is it any is it any solace that the Zags probably should? Well, you can make you can make the argument though they should have they should have covered because they should have grabbed the damn rebound when they were up by seven, and it would have been over. Yeah, if the, if they had, there were I think like I said I think there was three different times they had an opportunity to grab a rebound and be up seven, and and, and not even have to deal with that that four point turnaround late foul issue, but they couldn't get the rebound. But then TCU should have never fouled in the first place. The game was over. They can't do anything with with down four with a second left. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's a bad beat or a good loss, but I, Gonzaga fans got very lucky before they got very, very screwed. Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of like the karma even out. But my God, what a, what a Vegas finish. That's fantastic. There was one other, by the way. I, I didn't mention it when we talked about it. But the first round in San Diego State-Charleston, uh, yes. In that game, San Diego State was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Charleston was down by four. They missed. San Diego State grabbed the rebound. And just as the buzzer went off, Charleston fouled. And at first, they were signaling game over. 61-57, San Diego State wins, Charleston covers. Then the refs get together and say, no, we called the foul before the buzzer. San Diego State hits both their free throws covers because of referees' video replay overturn. Yeah, I I wondered. It's interesting that you mentioned that now because I just had a flashback. I always wonder if, if the if the refs are like, okay, look the look the lines this we, we we've got to let them shoot because it might swing the number. But but I, at the end of the Carolina UCLA game, the Sweet Sixteen last year had a similar moment, and it didn't it didn't affect the total or the the spread at all. And they had Carolina come back out and shoot two meaningless free throws with no time on the clock. So I was wondered about that. It was just bizarre. A few years yeah, ago, bullshit finish. A few years ago, I think it was the NFL that started this with the we'll kick the extra point regardless deal. 
because it, it affected a, a point spread game. And now I think every sport is following it. You know, just in case it might affect the spread. I don't know if it's good or not, but yeah, there, there were two games that just killed gamblers this weekend. Brutal. So there we are with our sweet 16. Uh, my Gonzaga Alabama final is still in effect and I'm going to stick with it. Although, although I realize that the better ending than having Gonzaga win would be to have Alabama win Brandon Miller named MVP. And then he gets on a live microphone and says, folks, I am going to turn myself into the Alabama police department tomorrow morning. I must do right by the law of the world. I gave a gun to somebody who killed someone. I must pay my debt to society. Yeah. Highly unlikely. Yes. Highly unlikely, but wouldn't that be great television? The, the, look, look, the cops aren't coming for anybody on a Tuesday morning. Even oh, if they kill themselves. Wait, up, all right. even better, even better. You, you're right. The cops aren't coming on Tuesday morning. The cops arrest him as he's giving his MVP interview on the <laughs> during during the one shining moment montage. <laughs> what are these sirens? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Arkansas, UConn, Zags, and UCLA tournament history. Zags and UCLA. UCLA, of course, with the famous comeback in 2006, the Zags return the favor. In the, in the COVID Final Four game where Suggs hit the half-court shot at the buzzer, which is still, I, I say this halfway in just, the worst thing to come out of COVID was Suggs hitting that shot in an empty freaking arena. It deserved 70,000 people in person to see that shot. So the rubber match, Thursday night's the late tip. That will be an outstanding game. And I'm starting to come around to the theory of the Zags, oh, they can't win the big one. They can't win the big one. And maybe this is the year where Mark Few wins the big one with the team that hadn't gotten the hype like some of his other teams have over the past six or seven years. I'm pulling for the Zags down here. I'm hoping of of that side of the bracket, the Zags are the best story. I'll, I'll roll with the Zags here. And by the way, once I got to Reno, I put a couple of units on Gonzaga to win the tournament at 15-1. to 1. So that is my fifth future ticket. There we go. By the way... Uh, did you see that AT&T is referencing the crying Adam Morrison game in their, in yes. their commercial? That is wonderful. Yes, it's nice little touch. So, so, who, so one week from now, who are we talking about? Who are the four teams left? Make your picks. Well, considering I've still got three of my four alive, I'm going Gonzaga, Houston, Alabama, and I'll take now uh, Florida Atlantic. Oh, jeez. Feels like it, it, I don't see anybody beating Bama down there. I, I I just I just I think Creighton can give them a game, but it feels like K State, K State and Bama, Texas and the Zags. I'll roll with that. We'll see what happens. All right, so there we are. We've come down from sixty-eight to sixteen. When we talk to you again, we'll be down to a final four. Well, you said four, so for Rick Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger. That's the best producer in the business, Alan Caps. I'm Mikey Watts. We'll do this next week. We'll talk about the Final Four, what to look for as college basketball crowns a national champion for 2023. We'll talk about it all right here on Six Year Seniors.